0: welcome to episode Alex Burrows of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. With me today is a very exciting guest. It's the host of TSN 1200 The Drive, Ian Mendez. Ian, how's it going?
1: Hey, Trevor, doing great. How are uh, How are you today?
0: Not too bad. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I know you're a really busy guy with lots of stuff to do. Um, and we found out that we just... Uh, you grew up in the same city that I, that I live in right now. So, <laughs> But... Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about some Senators things today. Uh, I know there's lots to talk about. So the first thing I wanted to discuss is obviously um, it's a near shoe-in right now that Ottawa is going to make the playoffs. We're, uh, we're recording this on a Monday, and as of now, Ottawa's is five up on the Leafs for second in the division and three back of the Habs with a game in hand on them with eight games to go. So it's looking like they'll finish either first or second, and it seems like either the Leafs, Rangers, or the Bruins are pretty much uh, going to be one of are pretty much the only possible outcomes uh, for uh, their opponent in the first round. So out of those three teams, who do you think is going to be the best playoff matchup for the Senators?
1: Uh, you know what? I, I think, to be honest with you, I think right now I'd say the Bruins like would be the number one matchup. I'd, I'd be super curious to see an Ottawa-Boston series. Like We've never had it. They've been in the same division basically for two decades never had any great sort of Ottawa-Boston games or rivalries, So, hey, I'd be all in favor of that. And I think from a a head-to-head standpoint, I think you've seen a couple times this month, Ottawa seems to play really well against the Bruins. They seem to match up well against them. They don't seem to be intimidated by Tuca Rask. They don't seem to really have a ton of problems. I think they've won five in a row against the Bruins. First time they've ever won five in a row against Boston. So I, I would say that I like that matchup. I'm not I know there's a, there's a percentage of Ottawa fans, uh, Trevor, that are like, oh, no, anybody but the Leafs, we can't do this again. Uh, they're, they're kind of worried that uh, a, a, a series against Toronto would end up uh, would end up in a bad way. I don't really necessarily go, uh, buy into that, to be honest with you. I I think that Ottawa would, for the first time ever in a playoff series, would have a goaltending advantage over Toronto. I don't think you saw that when they used to meet and they had Cujo and they had Ed Belfort. And I love Patrick but William. Patrick William was a great goalie, but Toronto had the better goaltending. And I I don't see a scenario in which Frederick Anderson, if he's healthy, outplays Craig Anderson. I just don't see it. So I'm not scared of that. And then the third opponent, if I was to rank them, I'd say Boston 1, Toronto 2. I still think the Rangers are a really good team. And I know that you've hit a little bit of a speed wobble here, uh, but uh, that's a really good team. And they seem awfully motivated. And they're kind of the forgotten team of the Metro Division. They're going to end up with 100 points. So to me... I'd rank them third in terms of uh, most favorable opponents there of the of, of the three of them.
0: Yeah, you know, Ottawa's in a sort of a weird spot because if they had won uh, against the Habs on Saturday, they'd be in first place right now, and it's not necessarily a better position to be in to win the division just with the weird playoff format we have right now. So, i I would agree with you. I, I think the Rangers definitely are a tough team. Um, I think to me, I think the Leafs and Bruins is kind of a toss up. Um, you mentioned Frederick Anderson like if he is out um, then that totally changes things because I would totally rather play the Leafs in that scenario um, and I think over the last few months at first when people were talking about the Leafs as a potential playoff matchup I was totally scared but you know over the last few months I've kind of realized I think Ottawa could take them and, and because of the, mentions you, uh, the reasons you mentioned uh, mainly because of Craig Anderson so I think no matter what, though, it should be a really good series in the first round.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think, let's be honest here, this is a team that Ottawa, they missed the playoffs last year, right? And they've been knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. It feels like every time they go, it feels like they get knocked out in the first round. Except for, I don't know, 2013, they beat beat the Habs and then, then lost to Pittsburgh. But I think there's, Trevor, I honestly think there's no reason, like if you look at the teams that Ottawa could potentially face in the first round, There's no – and then who they could face in the second round. Like, there's no reason why this team couldn't go to the third round. Now, do I think that they're as good as Washington and Pittsburgh and Chicago? No, no, not even close. But I don't see any huge difference between them, Montreal, Boston, Toronto. I'll put the Rangers in there. Like, none of those teams really scare me. If Ottawa's healthy and they got Craig Anderson healthy and they got Carlson healthy and Stone healthy – I think those three guys playing at their optimal level are as good as any three players that any of those teams could throw at Ottawa. If not, Ottawa might even have a slight advantage. So I, I really feel like for the first time in a long time, I think Ottawa fans can set some expectations here that this team should at least win one, if not two playoff rounds.
0: No, I totally agree. I, I've I've said that before that it's it's a total possibility that they could make the conference finals. I don't I don't think I would you know expect them and be disappointed like expect them to make the conference finals and be disappointed if they didn't um but to me would you like would you agree with the fact that there's pretty much Pittsburgh and Washington and then everybody else in the conference
1: yeah yeah and you know what I I don't know how much of a basketball fan you are and I'm not a huge basketball fan but you know I look at the Toronto Raptors last year as a great example good parallel for Ottawa team that has had some postseason problems but and they certainly couldn't hang with Golden State or Cleveland, but there was always a sense of you know what? There's no reason why the Raptors couldn't get to the Final Four. Now once you get to the Final Four and the big dogs are there, well you probably don't belong at the same uh, at the same dinner table as those guys. But there's no reason why the, the Senators couldn't be as good as any of the other teams. Because heck, I'll even throw Columbus in there. Like I don't shake in my boots when it's like a Columbus, no. coming, but I do when it's Washington and I do when it's Pittsburgh and I do when it's Chicago. And I think those are the only three teams in the entire NHL that I would say are a clear cut above everybody else. the, The rest of them from like four to 20, almost four teams, four to 20. You could make a great argument that on any given day in a best of seven series, you could convince me that, Ottawa could beat St. Louis or vice versa or even Tampa could be like there's there's a lot of teams in the quote unquote mushy middle in the National Hockey League. You
0: know? And and whether or not, you know, they'll act, they're actually a better team than whoever they play in the first round, isn't it nice feeling that, you know, they're not they're not just going to make it in the in the playoffs and be an automatic first out, like they actually have a chance.
1: Yeah, like and I think too, like Trevor, I think they should be a tough out. Like I really do. I think Ottawa, again, if they're healthy, shouldn't be a team that gets rolled over. If they stick to that system all season long, I think they haven't lost more than four games in a row. They haven't been a super streaky team. And like when they made the playoffs in 2014 or 2015 on the Hamburglar run, I think we were all waiting for the clock to strike midnight. I was like, every night, I was like, okay, this is the night it ends. And even when they got to the playoffs, you were still thinking, okay, this is when it ends. And there was always a sense of they were playing with house money. Same with the last couple of times when they were the pesky sands or like it never felt like they always made the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. This is the first time in a long time. And again, barring some sort of catastrophic uh, uh, collapse here in the last two weeks of the season, they're going to make the playoffs really comfortably. When's the last time we could say Ottawa comfortably made the playoffs without having to go down to the final week or two of the season just to qualify. It's been a while. So 2007, honestly, yeah. Well, yeah. think about think about this. I was looking this up, Trevor. They have played they've they've played nine consecutive playoff series where they start on the road. Nine. Yeah. The la- the last time Ottawa started a playoff series with home ice advantage, round one of two thousand and seven when they when they uh, when they played the young upstart <laughs> Penguins. <laughs> Since then, they've been on the road every single time. Like it's it's amazing to me that they might actually break that string and uh, and start a series at home.
0: Yeah, I mean. No matter what, it's just nice having a different feeling around this team, and uh, it should be an exciting playoffs coming up. So one one of the other bigger stories surrounding the team in the last week or so has been about Colin White. Um, And I I was writing about topics to talk about, and this was before he actually signed the um, amateur tryout uh, yesterday. So with that in mind, do you think White is going to ultimately sign uh, an entry-level deal within the next week or so and then come up? Or do you think he's just going to end up playing in Binghamton for the rest of the season? It's a great
1: question and one that we put to Pierre Dorian today because he did speak to us. And uh, the indication from Pierre was, "Look, listen, we have not made this kid any promises. We just think that the best route for him to go right now is an ATO in Binghamton. He'll start the, He'll start his professional career there. If I had to guess, if I was a betting man, I think Colin White play as a game in the NHL this season. I really do. And you know what? And I've called my shot for a while. I'm looking at April 6th in Boston. I think at that point in the season, they got three games left. I think Ottawa should theoretically have their playoff spot sewed up. If not, at least home ice advantage. I wouldn't be shocked if they give the kid games. And I think that there are – I think there's a number of – and again, this is all depending on how management sees it. But I think there's absolutely a segment of Ottawa fans – who believe like this team could use a young spark, some young legs in the back half of, well, obviously it will only be the last couple of games of the season, but into the playoffs that maybe just maybe you could use this kid as a spark. Personally, I think it's a little bit of pressure to be putting on him. And we've been down that road before, but it would not shock me if Colin White plays NHL games for the sense of the season and, and possibly even in, into a playoff game or a series at some point.
0: That would be pretty amazing to see. I, I know I've been a huge fan of, um, honestly, I, I thought Thomas Chabot could have been good enough to play in the NHL this year, and I, I think White could make an impact as well. And you don't have to have huge expectations for him, but I think if you replace Chris Kelly with him, and who you know hasn't really been that good of a player this year, and he he's seeing his ice time diminish every, uh, with every game. So I think replacing him with Colin White could do a lot of good. And I think for a team that's talking about their window is sort of the next few years. I think it I don't know. I don't understand why they wouldn't give themselves every opportunity to get better and that that's how I see it. You know, if he if he's not doing well in Binghamton or if he's not doing well in his first few games in Ottawa then so what? I don't I don't think it's a huge deal, but um yeah, that's just how I see it.
1: Yeah, and I I'm not a big uh, I don't worry too much about people I know are saying, "Oh boy, don't burn the year on the entry level deal." You're, you're throwing a year away. He's a year closer to free agency, all that stuff. Hey, listen, uh, sometimes you have to do these things. It's just sort of the uh, – hey, look at Calgary. And I know the year that Calgary brought Johnny Goudreau up to just to burn a year on his entry-level deal. I know that they weren't a playoff team. But at the end of the day, you you get the players signed, you get them, and you avoid any Jimmy Vc like situations. And right. I'm not saying that that's going to happen here. In fact, by him signing an ATO, it should pretty much – Negate the chance of him uh, becoming Jimmy VC 2.0, but I, I really think I'm. I don't care. Like if he played one game this season and then burned his entry level deal, my thinking has always been, well, then he only has two years to sort of be a productive player. Exactly. And then when his contract comes up and his bridge deal is there, he's only going to have two years under his belt instead of three, and theoretically, at that point, he shouldn't have matured so much. So you might actually save money. On his second deal, even if it's a bridge, you might save money there before you have to really open up the wallet. So, listen, I see the pros and cons of it, but I tend to agree with you in that he could give them a shot in the arm. And if you are going all-in this year, why wouldn't you at least have that weapon in your arsenal, so to speak, for the for the Stanley Cup playoffs?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, what do you think about his role for next season, though? Because it seems like Guy is sort of not totally trusting of these younger guys. Do you think he's going to make the team right out of the gate or is he going to go down into the um, Binghamton, or not Binghamton, I guess Belleville to start the season?
1: I, you know, I, I've been wrestling with this for a while because I know that Guy Boucher, obviously the way that he dealt with Thomas Shabbat or Curtis Lazar, it seemed like those guys didn't gain his trust. However, I think in the case of Shabbat, it's really tough to break in as a teenage defenseman in the National Hockey League. So I'll look at that separately. And I think in the case of Curtis Lazar, he just never got on track here. He had the, the mono. He, he just never got it. So I don't know that necessarily, as a general rule of thumb, Guy Boucher doesn't trust young players. I think Guy Boucher just doesn't trust inconsistent players. So if if Colin White can come into camp next year, Trevor, and say, look, I'm, I'm going to outplay whoever it is in the bottom six, I don't see how Guy Boucher would be hesitant of that. And the one thing to remember is look at the bottom six here. Tommy Pyatt, Victor Stahlberg, Chris Kelly, Tommy Wingles, Chris Neal, they're all unrestricted free agents. Like this team is I mean, the odds that they're gonna bring them all back, I say are minimal. They might bring one or two of them back, but all of them? I don't think so. I think there's gonna be openings here. And quite frankly, with where this team is at, and they gotta re-up uh Mark Stone, they gotta re-up Kyle Turris. they gotta they gotta re-up some people for the following year. I'm not sure that they're just gonna be getting into multi-year deals with bottom six guys. I think your best bet is to to let a kid on his entry-level deal come in and play in Colin White.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I certainly hope he we get to see him next year. If not, yeah, definitely if not this year and at least next year for 27-18 because he's a really exciting player. Um, exciting, uh, Interested to see what he can do. So an- another big story that was talked about among Senators fans in the last uh, week or so, I guess, was uh, Bobby Ryan quitting Twitter. And I know you wrote a piece about it, um, but you said afterwards that you, you hadn't heard about the accusations, accusations that he was perhaps racist on social media, and I'm definitely not saying that he is a racist, but some people had jumped to that conclusion. Um, I'm just curious to hear your take on the whole situation.
1: Yeah, you know what, listen, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm I'm watching on that Monday night, I think it was a Monday night, and uh, there was a pretty negative thread going on about Bobby Ryan. and. Uh, at some point within the thread, and I wasn't really paying attention to it, but somebody called my attention to it and said, "Hey, I think I think Bobby Ryan just quit Twitter." And I'm like, "What? What do you mean? Like, you know?" Uh, and so, you know, I went to click on his profile, it said username not found. I said, "Okay, well, the next day Bobby should be coming back in the lineup and should be available to the media, and I'll try and pull him aside and uh, and see if in fact uh, he did quit Twitter, or if it was just a uh, you know a technical glitch or something like that, or him just saying, no, nah, you know what? I'm just gonna cool it for a bit.'" And, you know, I pulled him aside and said, yeah, I just said, look, did you quit Twitter? And he's like, yeah, I quit Twitter. And I wrote the piece for TSN.ca. And I and I, and I did have one follow-up question for him, which was simply this. Uh, did you quit because of a super negative thread uh, that occurred last night? Or, you know, something along those lines. Like, was there anything in particular that made you leave Twitter? And he said, no, it wasn't one thing. And yada, yada, yada. And so, I, you know, I put the piece together. I put it out there. And then... You know, unbeknownst to me, uh, Greg Wishniski at, at Puck Daddy writes a piece. Says, "Ah, TSN uh, did the story, but they completely glossed over Bobby Ryan's sinister side." I'm sinister side. I'm thinking, okay, like, what the hell did I miss here? So, you know, I click on the story, and yeah, I remember his tweet from 2014 during the uh, the Ferguson uh, riots in uh, when the team was in St. Louis. And I understand that. And hey, was was Bobby guilty of maybe a naive or poorly timed tweet? 100%, 100%. But to 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 draw a line between that tweet from 2014 and him quitting Twitter in 2017 seems like an awfully big stretch. So in my opinion, I don't think I failed journalistically to ask Bobby Ryan the question, hey man, did you quit because of this tweet in 2014? And then, of course, then other people are saying within, right, but you didn't see, uh, he, he favorited a couple of tweets about immigration policies in the US. I'm like, okay, here we go. So now, so now, because somebody favorites a tweet, you have an insight into being able to make blanket statements about them. And I think that's a really slippery slope. And the only thing I'll tell you, Trevor, is before – and I, I'll, I'll just respect Bobby Ryan's uh, privacy on this one. But <laughs> before the U.S. election, I sat down with Bobby and had a great chat with him about Donald Trump, about Hillary Clinton. The only thing he asked me was, could you not put this on the record? And I said, absolutely. I just wanted to know. And I can tell you, walking away from that conversation with Bobby Ryan and specifically about Donald Trump, I feel 100% com- comfortable saying, to the best of my knowledge from that conversation and all the conversations I've had with Bobby, I would say that he is not a racist. That's just me. But then again, that's me dealing with him on a personal level. And I think it's... that's And, I, you know, I put a tweet out saying I would rather... For my opinions from people based on my personal interactions than their social media habits. Now, does Bobby Ryan have some political views that maybe some people don't agree with? Sure, maybe he does. I don't know. But I can tell you straight up from me dealing with him on a personal level and me being the only visible minority that works in this marketplace that I think I'd have a pretty good radar if a guy was like straight up racist and... Not only that, like I said, I had a great conversation with with him about politics, about Trump in particular, and I feel really comfortable saying, you know what, I don't see it with Bobby Ryan. I really don't. But if if people want to judge their – or take their view of Bobby based on uh, his social media habits, uh, hey, knock yourself out. I mean, I'm just telling you what I know, and I'm really comfortable with the way everything played out, but I I understand there's people that think that I – I glossed over a, a story and acted like I missed something. And, and, and one more thing, here I am going on a rant <laughs> for a long time. Like, I, I don't make a hat. Like I honestly, okay, Trevor, I knew about the tweet from 2014 about uh, Fergus, uh, you know, the Ferguson tweet uh, with uh, with the protest. I, I knew that. I had no clue. Like I, when I, and I'm t- straight up, I, I swear on my children's heads. I had no freaking clue that he clicked like on a couple of tweets that people would deem to be, you know, racist or, uh, you know, politically charged. I had no idea, and I think I have a pretty good handle on Twitter with Sens Twitter, but I also I also don't go into people's likes and see like, oh, I wonder what uh, Bobby Ryan's like that. I wonder what Eric Carlson's like today. I don't I don't do that. So unless it's brought to my attention specifically and someone says hey did you see what Bobby liked and the other thing like we get so many emails and texts into the radio station all the time from people with all sorts of stories about players about the way they've conducted themselves in the streets or people that are people that are straight up jerks to them like we get them all the time not one person drew to my attention the entire Bobby Ryan story which I find fascinating because uh, to me if it was a major story I'm pretty sure I would have heard about it but Maybe I missed the boat on it, but I I'm just saying I straight up had no clue about uh, that that whole side of it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I I never read the Wasinski piece that you mentioned there. Um, and like, there there's no reason why you would have known about the Ryan likes. Like, the only reason I I had known about it only because, um, in in a group chat I have somebody had mentioned it, and and that's the only reason. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not going through his likes. The only reason I did later on was because I was curious. Um, but yeah, I think I think your your point is totally valid. Like if if you think he's this kind of person, then you you have a better idea than, than we do. So I mean, I don't know. It's probably best that he, that he uh, that he quit Twitter. Something I found find really interesting though. Like, do you think if he was playing a lot better and or getting paid $5 million? Like, do you think people would actually care? Do you think this would actually be a story talking about, like, his, like, him potentially being racist?
1: No, it's a fair point, right? And I think the the pressure point on Bobby is absolutely the salary. Like, let's be honest. If, if Bobby has half the salary, there is half the venom towards yep. him. All of the, the venom towards Bobby comes from the fact that he signed a long-term contract. And, and it's really funny, right? Like, you ask yourself if you were in your 20s why and you're in your 20s but like you know if 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 somebody offers you a seven times seven deal essentially uh to be a player what are you gonna say no like i don't know like that seems like a lot of money like of course you're gonna take it like the auto like i find it funny that people always blame the player like the player is the one that takes the heat hey uh, there's a lot of blame to go around i guess on on bobby ryan and and, and why his productivity isn't where it needs to be. But I, I think I, I look at it and I say, yeah, I think, you know, if he was more of a productive player, th- we're not talking about this. like and, and to me, the best example of that of all time was Ray Emery. Ray Emery was a distraction from day one. But <laughs> when Ray was winning, nobody said anything. Nobody cared. He was he was colorful. He was fun. He was, uh, he was different, right? Then he starts losing games the next year in 07, 08, boy this guy's a distraction this this guy's showing up late for the like it's all about success and i think if you have success individually and and by extension by the team people don't care but the minute you don't do well and the team doesn't do well all of your actions and behaviors come under a different type of microscope which i'm not sure is a hundred percent fair but i think we do excuse away things when people are having success and i'm sure that we wouldn't Probably look at, uh, uh, at
0: Bobby Ryan and the tweets in the same way that uh, that certain people do now. That's totally true. It's the epitome of sports. It's just you put something under the rug. If if he's doing well and if he's not, then then you bring it back out and and bring it up. Um, speaking about Ryan moving forward, though, like, do you think he's ever gonna get it back? Is he gonna be even like you know maybe a decent player next year, like 50 points or something? Because he's just looked. I mean, he's been a bit better the last few games, but he's still pointless uh, since coming back from his from his injury.
1: It's tough. Like I think I've lo- I've certainly lost the expectation for him to be a thirty goal scorer. I think most people have. Uh, I, in my heart of hearts, I think he could be a twenty goal scorer in the league. I do, uh, but you know, seven million dollars for a twenty goal score is uh, the math is doesn't add up, right? So that's a a problem. Is Bobby Ryan a useful NHL player? Yes, he is. And I think he absolutely is. And I think he's got great hands. I think he's got great vision. And I think he's got the ability to score 20 goals in this league, uh, which is, which is no small feat. However, when you're making 7 million, it, uh, it changes the parameters of, uh, of the expectations. And so I don't think it's acceptable uh, to just score 20 goals and maybe be a 45 point guy, but that's kind of where we're at. Right. So, It all depends. I mean, they're going to leave him exposed, I would imagine, for Vegas. I don't see a scenario in which uh, the Desert Knights pick him up. I think you're going to be back with him next year. I think he's got too much term and dollar left to even think about a buyout. So, I think you just live with him. And I think, quite frankly, I think he can play in this league. I do. And uh, I think he's had an unfortunate run of injuries. But even if he was 100% healthy, he's not a 30-goal guy. He's a a 20-goal guy who can – on certain nights, he can bring a physicality. He can – he can do some things for you on the power play. And he's got unbelievable hands, but I think I think most people would agree that he's no longer a threat to be a, a you know a top line scorer. If he can if he can give you basically second line productivity, third line productivity, I think most people would would just have to take that at this stage of the game.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's he's still going to be you know an NHL player, but I'm sure he'll still get a lot of flack the rest of his contract, the rest of uh, his time in Ottawa, and that's just. That's just how it goes sometimes when you have that much of a salary. So it's it's too bad, but yeah, that's just, that's just pretty much hockey. Um, so moving back to the playoffs now, um, like we like we were talking about, we don't know who Ottawa is going to play in the first round yet. But how do you see the playoffs shaking out? Like, do you have any predictions? Do you you know if, if they play the Leafs, are they going to do this? If they play the, the Bruins, are they going to do this? Um, yeah, like just what are your what's your gut feeling for this uh, this spring? Well,
1: I really do think that if they get Toronto in the first round, I think it would be a ton of fun. I really do. I think – I still think Ottawa would be the favorite. I still think they have better goaltending. I still think they have better – I think they have a better structure to that team. I think if you've watched the Leafs, you would know that they're really loosey-goosey. And loosey-goosey is super fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think loosey-goosey wins it for you in April and May. So I think Ottawa, for the most part, would – that would just be such a fun series it really would i think there's a whole generation of people that didn't grow up mentally or you know emotionally scarred by the battle of ontario there's a whole generation of Sens fans who don't know darcy tucker and shane corson and curtis joseph and matt Sundin. like there's a whole generation that they're like yeah i heard my dad said something about them getting torched by the leafs but You know, I've only known the Leafs to be a, a, you know, a team that we've beaten fairly regularly. So I don't know that necessarily the fan base is going to be super scarred. I think, honestly, like, I know I said to you earlier that Boston would be the most advantageous pick in terms of an opponent, but for me personally, I want Toronto. I want them badly because I think it would be great for us. I'm selfishly speaking as a talk radio host. I think it would be amazing to have the Maple Leafs uh, in a playoff series against Ottawa, I think it would be great. But I think the the amount of hoopla around that thing would just be off the charts because there was no Twitter. There was nothing yeah. like that in 2004 when they last met this. The media world has exploded since. But, you know, in terms of predictions for this team, honestly, just give me a, a healthy Craig Anderson. I'm a believer that Craig Anderson, he, he's not in the Carey Price, Braden Holtby, Corey Crawford group. He's in that next group. And I think if he's healthy... I got no reason to think that Ottawa can't win a couple of rounds. If he's not healthy and he's not 100%, then I think, quite frankly, all bets are off. And, and I love Mike Condon. I think he's a great goaltender. He's just not Craig Anderson at his peak.
0: So do you think no matter who they play in the first round, they're going to win?
1: Uh, boy, it really depends in terms of, again, injuries are the big thing. Right. I'll say this. If Anderson, Carlson, and Stone – Go into the playoffs 100% healthy. I love Ottawa's chances. Love, love, love. Now, you know, beyond that, you're going to need contributions from Pajot and Zach Smith and Kyle Turris and some of these guys, Mike Hoffman. You're going to need some of those contributions. But you give me those three guys at their peak, I'm sorry, but who on Boston at their peak can match? Uh, I I think, I guess, Marchand absolutely is in that conversation uh, I suppose Bergeron uh, at times, sometimes Krejci is, but I don't think they have anyone on the back end that even comes close to Carlson. Same with, same with the Rangers. I think mean, the Rangers are a really good team, but you're telling me they got a top three to match Ottawa's? No. So I, I like Ottawa's chances in round one if,
0: uh, if health isn't an issue. No, that's fair. Um, br- briefly touching back on what you were mentioning earlier about the generation of Sens fans, and that's funny because I pretty much like the first season I started really following hockey was the first year after the lockout. And that was, you know, I, cause I was young, I was like nine years old at that point. So you're right. Like I don't even, I vaguely remember the battles of Ontario, but it's not, it's not something that I, you know, lost sleep over or something like that. So I think it'll be pretty interesting and, and new for me watching it um, from this perspective, just not having that mental scarring. But uh, I guess, even, even people who were a few years older than me um, have that. So it, it should be interesting nonetheless.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know what? Like, I, I think it's great. I, like, that's the one thing I find with Ottawa fans now. There's a whole generation of 20-somethings that are really engaged in the product, really engaged in social media, really engaged in blogging, that absolutely love this team, that don't have the playoff demons. Like, you, you don't have the, uh-oh, like, I got that really bad feeling about Playing, playing Toronto, I think it's great, and the and by extension too, Trevor. You think Mark Stone's going to go into that series carrying the baggage of Alfredson and Hosa and Redden and Chara and uh, Marty Havlat and Patty Laline? No, like Mark Stone doesn't know any of that. Craig Anderson doesn't know any of that. Eric Carlson doesn't know any of that. Um, I just I just think this is a totally new generation, and I understand that there's going to be people, and I'll, I'll be one of them, probably bringing up the old sound bites and bringing up the old stuff, the minute that puck drops, if they ever played in game one, it all goes out the window because Eric Carlson isn't Zidane O'Chara and, and Craig Anderson's not Patty Lalim and Mark Stone's not Daniel Alfredson and these guys don't have uh, a, a dragon they have to slay in uh, in the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Yeah, totally. It, it should be really interesting no matter who Ottawa plays. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we can wrap it up there. Thanks again for taking the time to talk, Ian.
1: Trevor, anytime. My pleasure. Always enjoy... Uh, when your stuff gets uh, tweeted out there, I always enjoy reading it. And I, like I said, I love the fact there's so many young Sens fans who are just engaged in uh, what we do in the mainstream media, but are also putting out some some really cool stuff on uh, on uh, on uh, the blogs and, and Twitter. And I think it's great, and I, I'm hoping you guys get uh, Ottawa, Toronto, and round one, and uh, and hoping that uh, Ottawa can win that series.
0: Yeah, exactly. As I finish off the show, reminder to the listeners that the Cosper Per Pointcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And if you'd like, you can rate and review the podcast on any of those platforms. The playoffs are coming up, so be sure to read Silver 7 Cents, as there will be plenty of content in April. And you can follow me on Twitter at ShackTS for some good banter. That's all for me. I